You're listening to Let's Stay Together, a podcast about Fruits Basket by Natsuki Takaya. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kayla. And today we're discussing chapters 92 and 93. Woo. Mm. Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Woo. Forward yeah. momentum. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> I guess another PSA before we start, which is that this chapter, this episode is still about Kyoko and Katsuya. So if you're not mm. about that, as I mentioned last time, then... Come back next week and we'll talk about something else. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to skip it, that's cool. We're going to talk about them still. <laughs> it's a good time. Although you're missing out on some great other foreshadowing. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't recommend it for it's other like you're reasons. You're missing out on some good trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what we all signed up for with this um, <laughs> like romance comedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, good. Well, as long as we're all on the same page, let's. Um, we're gonna do our summary discussion, the spoiler discussion. I think we'll have more, slightly more spoilers than last week because of uh, we had a quite a short spoiler section last time. So, okay, chapter ninety-two picks up a little bit later from where we left off last with Kyoko and Katsuya together. It's got nothing to do with me, Kyoko says. Katsuya says, "I don't really mind either way." Standing in front of a disgruntled bridal shop worker? Question <laughs> mark. But it's rare to find a woman who's so opposed to a wedding. It's gross, and I'm not doing it, Kyoko shouts. And Kyo's narration from last time continues. The two got married. It wasn't just the two of them. No one celebrated. All the Hondas were against it, except for Katsuya Honda's father, otherwise known as Toru's grandpa that we've seen before. <laughs> the couple meet with him. There's no greater happiness than living with the one you love, Toru's grandfather says. But it's true that you're both still young. Don't disregard the advice of your objectors, even if it's cruel. In addition, show us that you love each other with your actions. We need to know that you're happy together. Kyoko's surprised by his words. He's totally nice. I was all psyched up because I was sure he was going to let me have it, she says. I told you he's lost his edge, didn't I? Katsuya says with a smile. The couple live near the ocean, Kyo narrates. Katsuya spies Kyoko reading some kind of like home or like women's magazine, it's not clear, and asks if she wants a ring. She says, she's good, but she wants this blender. When you come home from work, she says, I'll make you perk up juice. And he's like, wow, I bet you'll make something disgusting. And she's like, don't prejudge me, smart guy. There's a lot of little, like, just scenes from their daily life that are stacked up in these chapters, and that's just one mm-hmm. of them. On his days off, they went out. It didn't matter where. They just had to be together. And we see a scene of Kyoko returning late with groceries one evening. Still Kyo's narration says <laughs> the fact that they were together was all that mattered. Later, Kyoko hurls into a sink. And when Katsuya <laughs> returns in the evening, she tells him that she's pregnant. He asks why she went to the hospital alone and asks why she's upset. She sits on the floor on her knees looking down. She grasps at the fabric of her skirt. I I don't think I can handle a baby, she says, and she looks deeply worried. I'm happy to have yours and all, but a baby? It's a whole other human being. C- can I can I do that? Give birth to a human being? Do I have the right to? I know I've had a rotten life. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can give birth to a person. To raise another human? It could get picked on, or hurt, or it could cry because of me. What if, she thinks, suddenly petrified, what if the baby didn't want to be born? And she remembers when she said those words to her mother and thinks how it hurt it would hurt her if her baby said that to her. I'd want to die. Katsuka kneels in front of her and consoles her. You've already proven that you understand. The baby will be a human being. And as fellow human beings, we just have to remember that. We know what we like done to us and what tears us apart. We'll hold this child often. If it does something wrong, we'll explain why it's wrong. We'll be very clear. Kyoko cries and Katsuya holds her and continues. We may give in to our feelings and end up striking it. But let's make sure to apologize. Then we'll hold it again together. How about that? We'll raise it like that. Not all by myself, she thinks. Together. I want you to have the baby, Miss No Eyebrows, Katsuya says. And she says, yeah. And they kiss. 
And that's how she was born, the narration says. And we see baby, baby, baby Toru <laughs> chewing on a toy, as babies do. Not just baby, baby. The babiest of all the babies. Yeah. <laughs> the youngest baby we've seen so far. I was like, I can't just call her baby, baby. That's like what I call them when they're like 12. So <laughs> actually, <laughs> I think it's baby when they're 12, baby, baby when they're like seven. And then Toru gets yeah. to be baby, baby, baby. I decided <laughs> I have a whole system in place. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> baby Toru Honda. Actually a baby Toru Honda. <laughs> <laughs> the family visits Grandpa Honda and Katsuya carries baby Toru around. Grandpa says that he's... I just call him Grandpa. There's never a name for him, so... And that she calls him... Kyoko calls him Toto-san or whatever, so she calls him Grandpa. Grandpa says that he's still getting used to Toru's very masculine-sounding name. Katsuya says it brings out her hidden flavor, Kyoko says. Katsuya says it brings out her hidden flavor, Kyoko says. Like how you add salt to something sweet to make it taste better. He wants Toru to be that kind of girl. Grandpa asks if Katsuya is doing his share of the parental duties and Kyoko reports happily that he's good with the bath. And Grandpa says that he was deeply happy when Katsuya said that he would marry. He never showed attachment or passion. And yet here he is, honestly in love, Grandpa says. Human beings are strange creatures. As people come across one another, they produce various outcomes. Good things sometimes, and other times bad. Grandpa hangs his head and says that he caused Katsuya a lot of pain in the past, but Katsuya became very happy, and he has Kyoko to thank for that. Kyoko says Katsuya isn't bitter toward him. He comes to visit. He obviously isn't mad. Katsuya calls to Kyoko and interrupts them and asks for Toru's coat. And he says he'll go get it and hands baby, baby, baby Toru to Grandpa, who smiles. Toru hasn't changed much since he was little, Kyo narrates. And we see a scene sometime later. <laughs> Kyoko accidentally bonks baby, baby, now toddler, Toru's <laughs> face with a cabinet. She hastily apologizes and Toru's like, huh? Seemingly unaffected, but Kyoko faints when she realizes that her nose is bleeding. <laughs> Katsuya tends to Toru's nosebleed and says, you made the woman feared as the red butterfly faint. You're something else, Toru. <laughs> While Kyoko lays down in the foreground, cloth over her eyes and laments, blood, my child is bleeding. <laughs> we see the family happy, happily outside on the beach and the narration continues. When Katsuya held Toru, his face was so gentle. Kyoko loved it so much she wanted to cry. Sometime later, and everyone get ready because this is bordered by a this part is bordered by black yeah. and we all know what that means. <laughs> Kyoko calls Katsuya, who's on a business trip, and he coughs. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. This is that oh no moment. <laughs> yeah, this is the part where it's like you pay, flip the page and you're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Kyoko asks if he still has the cold that he had before, and he says he has no time to go to a doctor, but he'll be leaving tomorrow. He asks about Toru, who sleeps nearby. Toru, who's sleeping near nearby Kyoko, who's on the phone, sorry. <laughs> I realized that that sentence wasn't clear. <laughs> Toru's not on the business trip. <laughs> Very important toddler business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Toddlers have important business. <laughs> I've been thinking, he says, do you think it's time we make her a sibling? Kyoko smiles and asks, is that what you want? And he says, yes. She tells him to get some sleep and go see a doctor. And he says, I will. Get some sleep yourself. Good night, Miss No Eyebrows. The next morning, the phone rings, and Kyoko excitedly goes to answer it, but then hangs her head. We see a funeral curtain. A funeral curtain. I can't remember what the official name for it is, but we see the curtain that's associated with funerals, rustling in the wind, offerings of food, and Grandpa Honda sitting on a wooden engawa, which is the wraparound porch situation on Japanese buildings, Japanese-style buildings. His head hangs down. Kyoko wears black, and Katsuya lays dead. Kyoko kneels above him, eyes empty. The other funeral goers gossip. I was against her marriage from in the first place. She should have cared for him. What will they do with the child? Poor Katsukun was better off single, they say. Baby Toru passes through the crowd, 
slides open the door and peeks in the room where her parents are, and watches her mother kneeling over her father's body and crying. Keep blaming me, Kyoko thinks. Keep making it my fault. Beat the hell out of me. Keep me from standing ever again. It was all too short, the narration says. Katsuya Honda was cremated. After that, he was smoke and ash. We see Toru and Kyoko outside watching smoke rise from the smokestack. Kyoko goes to collect his things from what I think is a hotel because there's a bed. At first I thought it was an office, but it seems to be a place where he was staying for this trip. She picks up a photograph of the three of them in the room and starts to sob. He's not here anymore, she thinks, looking around frantically, overwhelmed. He's not anywhere anymore, and she falls to her knees. Don't leave me, please, she shouts and cries. She imagines Katsuya standing by the ocean, smiling. Katsuya, she thinks. He's not here anymore. I'll never see him ever again. That's the end of chapter 92. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe my Kyoko voice acting could have been better. I mean, <laughs> I didn't do any screaming this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, chapter 93. It picks off approximately where we left off. Kyoko has returned home. Toru stands and watches her. Why is the day still coming, she thinks. Why are these people smiling? Why does the TV tell me tomorrow's damn weather? Why? On the day Katsuya died, why didn't the world die with him? She wonders. Kyo's narration says that she didn't remember much from the period right after Katsuya died. The only thing that she knew was her constant despair, and we see her sitting, looking at the photos of the three of them. Later, her father calls her. I'm only saying this once, he says. Don't try coming back here with that child. We have no intention of taking you back. You called to say that? She says. Toru stands in the background and she's on the phone. I did, he says. Dad, Kyoko says, you told me a long time ago this world has people who are needed and people who aren't. That was a lie, wasn't it? She slams the phone. It's a lie, she thinks. Nobody is needed in this world. Not a single person. Parents, teachers, great men and women, adults or kids, me or Katsuya, the world doesn't need any of us, she narrates. The world doesn't care who lives and dies. It still keeps bringing days and nights and time. I'm sure the world doesn't need anyone. What a miserable fate. It's so lonely and depressing. I'm sure that's why people search for one another. They need that. We see Kyoko sitting on the floor by a screen, like a sliding door, looking up at the sky. Eyes sort of dead, like we've seen many a time in this (laughs) series when people are in a deep despair. They want to need and be needed. They need someone who will fit that. Katsuya was mine. Katsuya was that someone. I needed him and I loved him. But after I finally found him, she imagines him again and her thoughts trail off. No matter where I go back to, there's no one to welcome me. Later, Kyoko watches TV. She flips through the channels until she finds one of what seems like a medium speaking to a woman. I feel a great power behind you, the medium says. What? No way, the woman on the TV says. It's all right. There's no need to be afraid, the medium says. It seems like it's your late husband. What? The woman says. Is he really here? He is. It seems that he came to you. Your husband has passed away. The woman on TV cries. Kyoko watches sort of dead-eyed, and Toru looks back at her mother, hesitantly. Yes, he was very sick, the woman on TV says. The medium says your husband's been very worried about you. You mustn't cry for, for him forever. He's watching over you, so you have to be strong. Suddenly, Kyoko stands, eyes sort of dazed looking. I want to see him, she says. I want to go see Katsuya. And baby Toru looks back at her, shocked. Kyoko leaves the apartment and Toru falls behind her. She slams the door, leaving Toru inside looking at the door. Kyoko goes to the ocean and looks over a railing at the water, and she sees Katsuya, imagines Katsuya in the water, saying, Miss No Eyebrows. 
She closes her eyes almost blissfully, starts to lean forward, but suddenly hears a child calling for her mother. Mom, hurry up, the kid says. The little girl tucks her along and says they're going to miss the train. The woman says they'll be fine and they take off. It's a passing moment that seems to bring Kyoko back to reality. She suddenly widens her eyes and says, Toru, and starts to run home. When was the last time I spoke with her, she wonders. I haven't talked to her. I haven't heard her voice at all. What did I do about meals? It's all blank. I can't remember. I think that Toto-san came a few times, but Toru, she thinks. She suddenly runs home and slams the door open to find Toru sitting right where she left her, just inside of the door. Toru looks as if she's sleeping or waiting with her eyes closed, and she looks up when her mother arrives home. Welcome home, she says. Kyoko starts to reply. She starts to say, I'm home, but she can't get the words out before she starts to cry and, and apologizes to Toru. I'm sorry. I'm home. I'm so sorry, she says, and grabs her and holds her. I'm home. What's wrong with me, Kyoko thinks. I'm such an idiot. I always have to screw up once. It's the only way that I learn. She continues to apologize to Toru and holds her. I'm sorry you had to wait. Thank you, Toru. Thank you for waiting for me. And Toru cries as well and holds her mother. We transition to... Kyo's memory of speaking to Kyoko. Kyoko says, maybe it's true that the world doesn't need me, but there's still one person kind enough to need me. I only need that to live. That's all I need, you know? Maybe Kyo sits, they sit together on a park or like a bench or something outside chatting. Kyoko says, I think my parental authority got a little dangerous. It's a good thing I had Toto-san to help me out. There was a lot to do after that, like moving. I guess keeping busy cheered me up. In the end, why not? I know Toru's here for me. Kyo sort of grumps and she says, Seriously, Toru's the cutest thing in the universe, even. Kyo asks, Then you don't think about it anymore, wanting to see Katsuya Honda? And Kyoko smiles a rueful smile. He looks up at her. It makes me wonder how lost you will get, how long you'll take. It can be hard to find your own answers, she says. In the present, Kyo thinks her words sounded so stupid to me. I was still a kid, I guess, and that was part of it. But more than that, from the beginning, I always felt like I was born to be hated that I was only alive to hurt people. It's true, isn't it? Isn't that why my mom died? In the end, I knew you wanted to tell me it was my fault. Even you, you smiled at me, but now you hate me, he says, thinking of Kyoko. Kyo stands barefoot, suddenly seeing the body of Kyoko in front of him, blood splattered everywhere. He looks down at her, he kneels, and starts to pant as if he's panicking. Another woman appears. It isn't your fault, Kyo, she says. You didn't do anything wrong, but you mustn't go outside. The outside is an awful place, she says. Come inside with your mother. Kyo turns away from her, grimacing. Do what your mother says. If you don't, I'll never forgive you, Kyoko says, standing, eyes dark, blood streaming from her mouth and her face. Kyo kneels between them. Your mom's gonna head, Kyoko says. She's waiting for you. You have to go inside. Do it. Or do you want more terror? Kyo turns over and notices Toru laying on the ground. His eyes widen with shock, and he suddenly looks at his own hands that are covered in blood. Suddenly, Kyo wakes up, sweating, panting. He hears the distant laughter of Momiji and the others in the background, and starts struggles to kind of right himself after the nightmare. In the kitchen, we see Momiji, Yuki, and Toru cooking. How about this one, Momiji says. <laughs> she says, it's Toru, which is shaped like a onigiri. <laughs> wow, thank you so much, she says. Yuki wonders if it'll cook properly, and Toru says it'll be fine. The banter is kind of interrupted when Kyo enters, and Toru asks what's wrong. His face is all pale. Are you sick? Do you feel well? He says, no, I just woke up. I know, Omiji says, you had a scary dream, didn't you? You get those when you sleep at weird times. <laughs> and Kyo says, sorta, I guess. Toru says it's good to talk about scary dreams, and ask what dream is about. Huh? He says, oh, what was it? And he suddenly can't remember what his terrifying dream was about. <laughs> <laughs> Yuki says not to deliberate in front of Honda-san, you'll only worry her. 
Kyo says to shut up. It doesn't matter. Kyo narrates, I was thinking about impossibilities. That's why I had the dream. It was a warning. I have to know my place. I can't interpret things wrong. It won't happen. Toru, she can never like me back. The idea is just stupid. Even I hate myself for thinking it. I know I have no right. You don't have to give me nightmares. I'll stay away from her, he thinks. Toru calls to him and says that they're having hamburger for lunch and shows him one that's been made in the shape of a cat. She offers to make him something else if he's not feeling well, and he tells her to stop acting like he's sick. So Miji sasses him to come and help them prepare the lunch. Kyo starts to help them and thinks, I'll stop. I'll stop thinking about stuff that's never going to happen. It's all in my head anyway. Forget about it. And we see Yuki and Toru and Kyo standing in front of the kitchen, the like cooktop, I guess. We see the narration, which is uh, Kyoko's words to Kyo. You know, everyone has to lose their way once. It's the only way they learn. We see the kids sitting together at the table later. Omiji says he just realized that this year's New Year's chance is going to be Hattori and him. Toru says, it's wonderful. So you both be dancing. And Kyo says, it sounds depressing to me. <laughs> the final panel of the chapter is what looks like Kyoko and Katsuya's faces together. And the, the end of the narration, everyone. And that's the end of chapter 93. Woo. Woo. <laughs> It was a little chaotic at the end, not mm-hmm. only because I didn't prepare, but also because it's hard to describe. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I always like forget that this nightmare happens and every time it kind of like freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not this time because we like I read it before this, just before yeah. this. But the first time that I would read it in a long time, I was like, oh, right. This is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like the. I feel like this part of the story kind of lulls you into this, like, oh, it's just going to be about Kyoko, and it's going to be sad, and whatever, and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, it's just a nightmare scenario, where there's, yeah. like, blood everywhere. Do, do you want to start with the nightmare? Or... No, sorry. Okay, I, guess... <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> let's go, let's take it from the top. Okay. The first thing that I wrote in my notes, which was interesting to me, I mean, we could talk about other things. Basically, like, I feel like the part with Kyoko and Katsuya until the point where he passes away is, like... Like, and then they spent some time together and then they had a baby. I mean, she was, Kyoko was worried about being able to raise a child and sort of reflecting on her experience with her parents. Mm -hmm. But the first kind of like material thing that I wanted to talk to you about that I specifically wrote was Grandpa Honda's wisdom drop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, there's still no wisdom drop from from Kyoko this time, I feel. But I thought it was really interesting how the um, Toru's grandfather says, human beings are strange creatures. As people come across one another, they produce various outcomes, good things sometimes and other times bad. I feel like we've talked about this a lot mm-hmm. um, in this series. In yeah. fact, the feather feather theory heavily supports this mm-hmm. <laughs> theory, right? Yeah. It's also one of those um, like early onlines that we brought up a lot when uh, like Shigure is talking to Kyo about like how to like, go out in the world and like hurt people and be hurt by them. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like part two. So like mm-hmm. if it's like you have to go out and experience people. And then, like, that might, it might, something good might happen or something bad might happen. Like, mm-hmm. meeting different people can have a different outcome in your, your life. And you have to experience that to grow as a person. Yeah. I guess it's, like, the full theory that's being communicated by Shigure and Toru's grandpa. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also refuse to call him Katsuya's father. I only call him Toru's grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was first introduced to us as Toru's grandpa. Toru's grandfather. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's Grandpa Honda. Listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also got kind of... Uh... It, I think it was like, it felt like a Katsuya wisdom drop that be later became a Kyoko wisdom drop, mm-hmm. which is um, when he's talking about like how they'll raise Toru. He's talking mm-hmm. about like uh, we need to remember like the things that we like and the things that hurt us, which kind of reminded me of uh, the thing with Kyoko saying like the most important thing to remember as a parent is what it was like to be a child. Yeah, 
<laughs> Whose wisdom drop? When? Who was that for? I can't remember. It was a really early on one. Hey. <laughs> Great. Google Drive didn't fail me. So Tori says that her mom said, when you become a parent, you understand for the first time what a parent feels. What you really need to understand shouldn't forget is what it feels like to be a child. The first time you did a somersault, the first time someone got really mad at you. If you can remember how you felt when you were a child, even when you're an adult or a parent, then you can understand each other. This is from chapter 21. Um... Oh, it's when she was talking to Ayame, your favorite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think it had something to do with Yuki, but I was like, I feel like his parents were later on. So was, Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking too. I was like, is, he, is it his parents? But it's obviously not. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's, um, he says maybe that's what they mean when they say adults are selfish. Like he was saying that he, you know, he ignored Yuki's feelings and Toru asked if he regrets not spending time with him or whatever as a child. Yeah, okay, there you go. Well, <laughs> good. Google didn't fail me. So. <laughs> So that's kind of interesting that that is something that, like, it is a Katsuya wisdom drop. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed seeing in these two chapters, these these two chapters and the two that we just read before about seeing all the ways that um, things that happened to Kyoko became things that she then passed on to Toru, which she passed mm-hmm. on to other people. It's kind of like that thing about people interacting with each other. <laughs> producing various outcomes it's kind of like that whole theme of that story (laughs) it's kind of like that um the next note that i have is kyoko's parents being dicks after after katsuya dies i like how it's like the idea is just that her father calls i don't know what the context of the conversation was before because it's not like they were in contact were they and then he's just like just so you know i'm not taking you in and your daughter and it's like is that all you called to say like what a dick i Mm -hmm. mean yeah that's yeah continued good parenting mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i think it's implied they don't have a relationship so i don't know why he was calling her in the first place but mm-hmm. just to rub it in yeah when she's down <laughs> so he's just like it's been a while since i've been an asshole to my daughter i should fix that <laughs> i have some plan. i don't have anything planned today i guess i can call me an asshole to my daughter <laughs> yeah. so rude <laughs> with a little bonus asshole to my granddaughter that i probably have not met <laughs> yeah no, they don't have a relationship at all. In fact, I think at the mm-hmm. beginning of the story, it was just like when her mother died. Actually, I don't even know if they said anything. I wonder if they even... I wonder who actually went to the funeral. Like, it must have been the the Han- some of the Hondas, and mm-hmm. I guess maybe her parents were there, but they were. They all fought over who was going to have the responsibility of taking Toru in. Yeah. Like, nobody wanted to do it. So, mm-hmm. so depressing. Yeah. Like, it seems like... Nice. Uh, yeah. Like, it seems like, like Katsu's family is there kind of dicks too but at least they have like mm-hmm. some sense of <laughs> obligation toward a family member even if they're trying yeah. to get out of it like they're at least like well someone's got to take in the kid and, like <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they at least argued amongst themselves like somebody was yeah. going to do it they just didn't want yeah. it to be themselves <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and then they eventually lived with her they only like spied on her a little bit in her personal yeah. life no big deal <laughs> <laughs> It's a little spying between, you know, distant relatives. Yeah. (laughs) A good question. I do think, um, so we, yeah. Oh, I remember what we were talking about. We were talking about Katsuya and how sketchy he was last time Mm -hmm. and how he's slightly less sketchy this time. Not sketchy this time. He was slightly sketchy last time and not sketchy this time. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, he comes off very like warm and loving in these chapters. And genuinely supportive. Yeah. And a good dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, especially, I think it comes off how much he loves Toru. Mm-hmm. and he like carries her around they're like looking at all the plants in the yard in the background mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's all very sweet yeah 
He puts his little coat on her and they're out at the beach. Mm-hmm. And he he gives her to the grandfather. I feel yeah. like it's like symbolic of their mm-hmm. letting go of their <laughs> yeah. issues and whatever, right? Yeah, it's very sweet. <laughs> it is. And he smiles. The grandpa smiles, which we don't see. I mean, he kind of smiles a lot around Toru, but I mean, mm-hmm. he seemed to be very upset about or, or kind of like reminiscing on sort of a lost co- like connection that they could have had. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know. He brings Toru, Calcio brings Toru to him, which is very sweet. Yeah. Everything was looking up mm-hmm. until... <laughs> the Fire Nation attacked. I mean... <laughs> is that a meme? Do people say that a lot? Yes. Or do you say it? Yeah. <laughs> Those bastards. I mean... Everything changed when the Fire Nation Fire attacked. Nation attacked. <laughs> yes. Yeah, everything was, everything was good, and then Katsuya died. Yeah, unfortunately, Katsuya died. It's so sad even just seeing, like, little baby Toru wandering around, like, during all this. Like, she's obviously, like, she must know something that's happening. But obviously, I mean, she's, like, what, maybe four? I mean. I think she's, like, three. Yeah. She's pretty, very small. Yeah. It's, like, I mean, she's got to be, like, just so lost. and. Actually, I think she said that her dad died when she was three at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the series. So, yeah. I know. It's nobody, because basically, like, because obviously Kyoko is completely distraught. Yeah, Kyoko's falling apart, so she can't isn't able to do anything right now and the rest of the family is just being dicks yeah being dicks and then I think the grandpa was also pretty upset too yeah he's he's shown at the funeral being very upset Mm -hmm. and then he does come Kyoko has this like vague memory that he was there but who knows Mm -hmm. looks like he kind of like helped take care of her afterward but like at the time like at the funeral it's like obviously no one was you know giving this poor child any guidance at her father's funeral yeah or (laughs) consolation or anything yeah yeah yeah, and she's just kind of there. So she can't, Toru, baby Toru kind of haunts the background of all of these things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that Kyoko's just sort of like completely, it seems like she's ignoring her. I mean, like things keep happening. Like, it's not like, like she's, I don't know, like, I guess she maybe is old enough to dress herself. Like she changes clothes. Like it seems like things are happening, but mm-hmm. the fact that Kyoko's kind of like in a daze, like she's just like, I don't, did I make food? Did I do this thing? Like yeah. Toru just watches her for most of the most of these chapters so mm-hmm. yeah it's very sad do you think so uh there's a scene where kyoko goes she's like oh no mikasia she goes to the to the ocean like she goes to the shore mm-hmm. do you think that she was intending to like jump off of the thing uh, absolutely i think yeah, that's the okay. intention there yeah <laughs> i interpreted it that way and then i was like i don't know it's kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. it's not as ambiguous as like when we saw with like momiji's mother or whatever yeah when... like some other things that we've seen. Yeah. Like, I think it's debatable on whether she had, like, like solid suicidal intentions or if she was just, like, you know, kind of part of her, like, depressed days. It's just, like, I'm going to go see him, like, mm-hmm. without the full connection that, like, in order to do that, I'm going to end my life right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem as, like, deliberate as even, say, like, yeah. we talked about, like, Yuki or something um, mm-hmm. before where he's kind of like, I don't know if life would be better if I wasn't here or whatever. Yeah. Like, because then, like, like when she snaps out of it, she, like, snaps completely out of it and, mm-hmm. like, runs back home. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to tell how long this went on for, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a couple of times where we see, like, it looks like she's wearing the same clothes. Like, she <clears throat> see, like, the scene. She goes to, like, get Katsuya's stuff. And then the next, that's at the end of the, of chapter 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning of chapter 93, she's wearing, like, the same clothes. Like, it's, like, almost, like, the same time where it's implied that she like came directly from that i guess mm-hmm. yeah and then it seems like she's like 
yeah, it does seem like the like the same outfits linger for a few different scenes in here. So it seems like she was like it seems like time was passing, but she wasn't taking care of herself. Yeah. In addition to not really paying much attention to Toru, Toru at the time. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, which is not none of this is like shocking, but um, yeah, it's disturbing but not shocking, I guess. Yeah, I should say. Yeah, and then she kind of snaps out of it. She returns to Toru and apologizes, and they kind of make up. Toru, she cry, Kyoko cries, and Toru cries as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's obvious that something's going on with Toru. It's a little bit... I mean, obviously, she, I, I would assume that she was confused and concerned. Yeah. Um, it's not really clear. It's never really touched on what's going on with her in mm-hmm. these chapters, so... There's the, like, it's really striking, I think, when she, Kyoko leaves and she closes the door and Toru's, like, standing in front of the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when she comes back and Toru's in the same place. Mm-hmm. Just waiting for her to come back. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty upsetting because it's, like, for a little bit there, she lost both parents at once. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. On a slightly happy and cute note, I loved how um, Kyoko, like, faints when Toru has the nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you made the red butterfly faint, which is really yeah. funny. And that little scene of him like You're taking like care of Tori's bloody nose is so cute. It's very charming. Tori's just sitting there. Yeah. There's a lot of cute other little like kind of slice of life scenes before everything gets terrible are really cute. That's what makes it so sad. I know. <laughs> It's so nice, and you're like, wow, everything's great. And then you flip the mm-hmm. page, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes things are, like, foreshadowed in Fruba, and sometimes they're legitimately told to us. This is something that was just outright told to us that was going to happen, and still, yeah. you're still like, oh, no. Yeah, like, we know, we even know he died from, like, a respiratory thing, because, mm-hmm. like, that's why Toru was so worried over Yuki's uh, cold. coughing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she tells Kyo that in, like, two chap whatever, two chapters ago also. Make sure mm-hmm. you tell off, otherwise you'll get a cold. Yeah. And Kyo probably knew that already, based on the conversation that we're seeing. Yeah. So yeah, once you flip that page and there's dark panels and he starts coughing, you're like, oh, crap. Oh, no. <laughs> so we made a joke a long time ago about somebody coughing. Yeah. And being like, now they're going to die. Well, in this case, it was true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Oh, it must have been Yuki. It might have been Toru. It might have been when Toru was sick that one time with it. Yeah. Whatever. You're like, so she's obviously going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, in this case, I couldn't make that joke because it was about to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> I chose to not to be tasteful for once. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think it's time to talk about the dream. I don't think we have any other things left to talk about. Yeah. And by dream, I mean horrifying nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> the horrifying nightmare is that Kyo sees Kyoko on the, uh, bloody on the ground. And he also imagines his mother telling him to go back inside these two conflicting things in the dream kyoko also says like oh you need to do what your mother says and she says i'll never forgive you he also imagines toru in the dream and then his hands bloody at some kind of she looks like she's laying her eyes are closed as if she's injured and he's the cause of it Mm -hmm. those are the three things that happen in the dream yeah and it's horrifying i think it's like Mm -hmm. one of the most violent things we've seen so far like like in terms of it's one of those graphic things we've seen so far i should say Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of violence, but yeah, not just like people covered in blood yet. For the yeah. Most part. So is it fair to non-spoilerly talk about uh, the fact that he seems like he was there when she died? I think at this we point, sh- I think we could. Because <laughs> we've how seen you couldn't. We've seen this image of Kyoko in this exact pose in his flashbacks in like reverse colors. Multiple times. Yep. Yeah. And, like, before it was, like, I don't know who that is, but now, like, it's obviously Kyoko. Yeah, we talked about it really recently, too. It was referenced in 
maybe three dif- like three or four episodes ago mm-hmm. um it was like <laughs> a time was referenced where this was shown it was the valentine's yeah. day situation where kyo so what happened was um so now we've seen this now we know how we've seen yeah we've seen both sides yeah, we know this, the uh, flashback now we've seen yeah that's right the, uh, yeah yeah because this is like way back at the valentine's day chapter shigure like taunted not really taunted like he did kind of <laughs> aggravate i don't know aggravated kyo's issues by um like saying the something about like how like he wants like yuki to be that kind of person so he can hate him basically the same kind of thing that kyoko we've seen now in a flashback that kyoko said yep and he had like a flashback to kyoko in this pose yes he did and we were like a woman yeah that looks like covered in blood <laughs> couldn't could be anyone <laughs> we'll <Yeah. never> know. <laughs> but it's this exact pose it was like this exact pose with her arm bent like that too actually yeah um and, mm-hmm. it was in and with her like short haircut and everything yeah. yeah it's in reverse so it's black so she's her shirt appears to be black but it's a white shirt mm-hmm. so it's strongly strongly implied that kyo was there at the accident or yeah. at least saw her dead maybe mm-hmm. on the ground yeah um, which is you know a new revelation we've known for a little while that he had met kyoko when he was younger yeah. but the implication that he was there when she died or was injured at some point is a, a new one <laughs> yep and i think it's been informing a lot of this like i could never forgive myself if i thought like this or that how would she feel if she knew i think he says in this chapter how would she feel if she knew how would toru feel if she knew whatever and then it kind of trails off like how would she feel if she knew that he was at the accident mm-hmm. or that he knew her mother or that yeah, he knew like at, her father yeah i think at the start of these flashbacks he said like how would she feel if like she knew that I had met Kyoko, and then he mm-hmm. starts to say like, "How would she feel again?" Yeah, and then it kind of trails off, right? Yeah, it doesn't complete. That he knows so much about their situation, and even more, ha- you know, was there, was present. Mm-hmm. Dun dun dun. <laughs> we didn't do yeah. a dun dun dun. Uh, <laughs> we did transition directly into this crazy uh, nightmare. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You like flip a page, and you're like, oh, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty sad, and it's like, you know, it's still, like, normal flashback stuff, and then, like, it's a page flip into Kyoko yeah. dying on the ground in front of Kyo, so. It's like a, it's a memory of her smiling, There's then there's a blood spatter, and then it's her di- dead on the ground. Like, yeah. <laughs> or dying on the ground when you mm-hmm. flip the page. That's also, I don't know if, I mean, I felt weird describing it, so probably mm-hmm. it'll come across that way when we get there. It's just like, I guess I just say this now, like, he's standing yeah. there and she's there. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to be like, and now he's having a dream. Like, what's he been doing all this time? Yeah. having It's kind of this weird, like, li- falling asleep sort of, like, limbo where he was having these, like, giving the narration that's, like, clearly these memories about their conversation that then transitions into this nightmare. So, mm-hmm. and it's obvious that it's a nightmare, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. If you're got, looking at it. You know, <laughs> it's got your, your dead mother taunting you, and then the dead woman in front of you gets up to also <laughs> taunt, taunt you. you. It's probably a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about (laughs) he's also barefoot like even the first um kind of like panel doesn't look like real life it's like completely abstracted yeah it's like there's just kind of in the void it's like a kind of a there's a sound effect that looks like a big like heartbeat sound effect Mm -hmm. it just is the thump a bump but i don't it could i guess it could be from the time but um Mm -hmm. but anyway yeah he's standing he stands barefoot. He's actually, I guess he's in the clothes, like the pajamas he fell asleep. No, because he's not. He's not wearing a hoodie. 
Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it's completely abstracted. And then she's just there and there's blood. It's like white background. There's no like ground. Like there's no perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is the, what's it called in the, in Fulma Alchemist? Like at the, with the door? <laughs> the doors of truth. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. Am I thinking of, was it white in there? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. It is sometimes. Sometimes it's okay. black. <laughs> but yeah, then she stands, she has this, Kyoko stands and has this like cre- super creepy face. Like, her eyes are all dark, and she's, like, bleeding and whatever, and says, I'll never forgive mm-hmm. you. It's interesting how his mother... His mother is shown... Like, you don't really see her face. Mm-hmm. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's interesting that, like, his mother in there, because it's the same kind of... Like, we've seen the flashback to his mother with her, like, like false love or whatever, mm-hmm. how he phrased it. And it's the same kind of thing, where they're saying, like, it's not your fault. You have to go inside, yeah. though. Like, we have to stay inside. And then Kyoko's like, do what your mother says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get kind of a kind of a suicide baby vibe from this just coming off of the kyoko going like oh i'm gonna follow and go see katsuya yeah. and then her saying her saying in the nightmare like your mom's gone ahead she's waiting for you yeah. you have to go inside yeah it does seem like that yeah i agreed with you instinctively and then when you say also like your mom's gone ahead of you you have to go mm-hmm. that also does sort of have that implication it's like you have to yeah. you have to go or more bad things will happen mm-hmm. and then it shows toru yeah is it Toru's mouth? There's like, so there's there's four panels on the page, basically. It's Toru kind of lying there, Kyo's eye, and then a close-up of what looks like Toru's mouth. Is there just a trickle of blood coming out of her mouth? Is that what's being shown? I'm now just looking at it. Yeah, that's closely. what it seems like to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Because yeah. I think it's like, the first panel is just her lying yeah. there, and then like the blood starts to come out of her mouth, and then the there's last panel has hands. blood everywhere. Yeah. Like, on her hand, on his hands, and around yeah. her, on the ground, and everything. Yeah. So. On the white, on the abstract ground, yes. Yeah. If someone had a field day getting ink splatter all over these, it's um, yeah, literally everywhere. <laughs> Get to use all our budget on the <laughs> Get out. On ink Break this out week. the good ink. <laughs> it's time for the <laughs> horror chapter. <laughs> the face that he makes when he wakes up is like, it's he's just like sp- dripping with sweat, like the worst. Yeah. It's like I feel like yeah. I know that. And he's feel. got those like. Yeah, and he's got this like narrow, narrow pupils people that we see on him sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened a lot in during the dream too. So he like kind of looks down, his eyes are normal, and then when his mother starts talking to him, he looks up and his eyes are his pupils are very small. Mm-hmm. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's fun times. So, <laughs> so great. I love horror in my shoujo. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a very it's very striking. I don't. I mean, obviously, so Kyo is still. I, I let's should we interpret it a little? I think. <laughs> Kyo is still, obviously, it seems like, so he had this moment with Toru when he, when his true form was revealed to her, where it seemed like he kind of was like, oh, like, you said the thing that I always wanted my mother to say. Like, I felt like there was a little bit of closure for him. But based on the stream, I feel Mm -hmm. like it's still not, that's still not true. Like, it seems like he's still dealing with some issues internally about his mother. Mm-hmm. Could be intrinsically related to Kyoko. I don't know. Yeah. Or just the fact that he feels responsible for all these things or mm-hmm. seems to have some kind of like. I think there's definitely a guilt connection. Yes. Being made in this nightmare. Yes. A deep guilt. Yeah. Like he obviously feels, for some reason, some guilt directed toward Kyoko and her circumstances around her death. And he obviously feels guilt around his mother. We already know that. Mm-hmm. And then it's starting to become. Like, guilt around what might happen to Toru. And also, like, I think what he feels like he's sort of done by keeping that information about knowing her mother from her. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's part of it. I don't think it was necessarily represented by the dream, but I feel like that was kind of what was leading into him having this nightmare. Yeah. 
Because he starts off by thinking, like, what would she think if... Yeah. If she knew this. Yeah. About me. I think that's what we can say comfortably. Mm-hmm. Little violence. So exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmares. Yeah, uh, you know, it answers some questions, but it raises a bunch of other ones. Yeah. <laughs> can't really draw too many conclusions on yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like it doesn't necessarily answer questions, but it was just like... It makes some his feelings clear, right? Yeah, it just sort of confirms some things that were like foreshadowed earlier. Yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, now I kind of get that. It was foreshadowed. At least I a get lot. what that was referencing too. I'm sure we talked about it every single time in the spoilers that that mm-hmm. he was there when Kyoko was, you know, at like at the accident or severely injured in some way. Like he, mm-hmm. that's been implied for a long time. We just purposely avoided talking about it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you were yeah, paying attention, like... you could maybe figure out that it was possibly her. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think I did the first time I was reading it. Yeah. So I was like, what? When <laughs> this mm-hmm. became revealed. So. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe you could also interpret it as him imagining it, but I don't think that that's true. It's so mm-hmm. specific and realistic. He's had the same vision yeah. multiple times. It's not really mm-hmm. like, it doesn't seem like a dream, like it's made up. Yeah. He's had those flashbacks and the fact that like, like it seems like his strongest memories of Kyoko, like talking to her was, you know, back when she was younger, had long hair, yes. but the specific violent memory is of her short-haired. like older short-haired yeah. version short-haired kyoko that we know and yeah. love <laughs> mm-hmm. from later which like he's seen like a picture of her like that from toru but yeah it's, it's i don't think that'd be enough that. to like yeah create this like strong image yeah i don't think so yeah i don't know mm-hmm. I, not like this yeah and it's such a specific image like we've talked about how we've seen that silhouette of her in that exact pose same position several times yeah yeah same clothes same position yes and everything so yeah i think so i think we can safely say that mm-hmm. on a lighter note uh from the podcast that brought you eating together symbolism we have cooking together symbolism <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> they're a family yeah what's going on it's with really yuki holding it, that spatula he doesn't know what he's doing i think it's just in the middle of being handed off yeah <laughs> he's holding the handle toward her and starting to let go of it yeah. she's grabbing it yeah. it's just floating it looks a little it looks a little weird mid pose but it is funny but it's it's a cute little image of like you know the just all of them. them yeah the three of them there i like how kyo's being grumpy but then like um they're still kind of like <laughs> forcing him to help them and he's doing it and stuff like that yeah and it's another of the kind of like more lighter teasing rather than the like vicious arguing kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> yeah, they just don't really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Even the like Kyo and Yuki's most recent blow up, which was about the hat and kind of like mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Yuki didn't really say anything. Kyo was just really mm-hmm. angry and then punched the window and then left, right? So Yeah. <laughs> Momiji's good at teasing. Uh, yeah. He's always <laughs> in there picking on Kyo, which is cute in his little mm-hmm. brotherly kind of way. Yeah. They made hamburgers shaped like all of them. Did they mm-hmm. make a rat one for Yuki? We'll never know. <laughs> I have to assume they did. <laughs> did they make a rabbit one for Momiji? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I only eat rabbit-shaped food. Yeah. That would be on his, like, blog. Or his vlog, rather. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have, like, a cooking side series of just making little rabbit-shaped foods. Mm-hmm. Today I'm making a rabbit-shaped food. eggs cheese. taste like rabbit. Here's a pancake taste like rabbit. Tastes like rabbit. Tastes like rabbit. Actually, it would probably be okay. If you made it like a, like a crepe, like a savory pancake, maybe. Yeah. Have like a galette. It would be very mm-hmm. good. Nice yeah. buckwheat. <laughs> Join us for our other side podcast where we talk about cooking. <laughs> yes. 
It was very cute. All the, <laughs> all the stuff around this was cute, where, like, at the beginning, two chapters, four chapters ago, at the beginning of this, they were, Mo- Moiji and Shigeru were teasing him about the play and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. just a continuation. It's like, if you forgot, this is what was actually happening, which is that Omiji's at the house. <laughs> yeah. And Kyo fell asleep. And we get a little, uh, get a little nod that it's almost New Year's again. It is, yeah. <laughs> he says that, Moiji says they'll be dancing, Har- uh, Hattori, <laughs> and he will be dancing. Hattori? Wait. Yeah, it was yeah, Hattori. Hattori. Hari. Hari. <laughs> I had one other thing that I wanted to say, which we kind of talked about last time, and then I probably cut it because we were confused. <laughs> last two chapters, in one of them, in chapter 90, Kyo, Kyoko said, Kyo says, I want you to blame me. And he remembers um, Kyoko saying, I wanted them to blame me. And I think that this was referring to the funeral. So when we mm-hmm. saw her at the funeral, this is what we briefly discussed, and we we're like, wait, that happened this time, not last time. And Yeah. Um, I think this is related to her thinking at the funeral like blame me for every whatever just keep blaming me just pile it on me or whatever Mm -hmm. so i think it was related to that and we saw we've seen similar things from kyo at his mother's funeral right Mm -hmm. where there he's i mean he's like it's not my fault um so it's kind of similar but yeah i think we've seen like um, he start he was saying that it's not my fault but i think like he also at some point was like well if it's my fault then yeah i'll kill myself i'll kill you yeah. yeah so it's kind of a, like taking in that blame and turning it into like violent negative energy yeah it's kind of keep yourself going kind of thing yeah yeah it seems like a similar situation mm-hmm. for kyoko it wasn't so violent but definitely very negative yeah. mm-hmm. and then in kyo's case it really uh propelled him through the first three quarters of the series almost yeah <laughs> so maybe like half conservatively <laughs> mm-hmm. It's something that still he's still, it's still bothering him. Yeah. The the like the dream dreams. I like dreams in media. Like I always think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously meant to be, um, not like farcical. What's a good word? Just not. They're not realistic. But in this case, it's it's interesting that it shows it demonstrates a connection for us that isn't necessarily clear. Where it's about. There's guilt that Kyo feels about his mother and about Kyoko and potentially mm-hmm. about Toru and how intertwined all those ideas yeah. are for him. And it kind of demonstrates what he's been struggling with the last couple of episodes. And I think that, or the last, you know, couple of chapters, things that we talked about regarding him. And I think it's a good way to kind of summarize that idea. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see Kyoko and Katsuya too. I don't think we talked about that very much last time, but like we've seen Katsuya, mm-hmm. we've seen. It's like getting to see Kyoko before she was Kyoko. Yeah. Uh, like, we know her as being this sort of, like, super knowledgeable, like, um, like really someone who seems, like, put together and motivated to be a good mother and and cares a lot about other people. And I think, like, she's not like she wasn't like that, but I think these, the bad times, I mean, we can see how the bad things that happened in her life helped her to help other people in the future we did kind of talk about this but it's just nice to see all of it kind of together including mm-hmm. Ka- losing katsuya also yeah so yeah and just seeing katsuya because we've like barely yeah. seen like just glimpses of photos of him i think in, yeah. the, in the past so far so there i think i don't think we've ever even seen his full face until the last two chapters before this one mm-hmm. i think that's everything that i have to say that's not spoilery oh i did have uh okay sorry, i had one other oh, little just kind of connection i made go ahead is um like Kyo when he's like after the dream when he's saying that like I was thinking of impossibilities mm-hmm. like and like I'll stop doing that basically mm-hmm. it kind of made me think of all the like don't misunderstand kind of language we've seen especially around yeah. Yuki mm-hmm. but the whole just like like you know like oh you don't 
get to hope or think for things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I think we might have talked about this before too, but I think that that's kind of one of the fundamental differences between Kyo and Yuki. The Yuki continues to hope despite mm-hmm. having all those doubts and being like force fed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, in this case, Kyo's kind of doing it to himself, mm-hmm. whereas Yuki mostly had other people doing it to him. I think Kyo's been doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like it's just part of a, it's just like a thing that he does. It's how he, it's not like coping, but it's how he. Yeah, it's like managing. Manages his, yeah, like, his deal. Yeah, because we even saw that back like during the true form thing when like uh, Kazuma is trying to like kind of coax him into like. You know, like, he says, like, accepting that part of yourself to, like, move yeah. forward. And he's like, I have accepted. I've accepted that I'm worthless, yeah. basically. I've like, I'm worthless. It's all Yuki's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Cosmo's like, that's not exactly what I intended. Yeah. It's like, honey, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it seems like he's just still... Mm-hmm. I feel like he has gotten better. Like, he... During the beat track, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm going to make the most of the time that I have, but it's obviously still yeah. wearing on him, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, and it's still very restrained. Like, yes. even the little bit he's allowing himself to hope is not very much. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, just that specific language made me think of that. Yeah, it's true. That he used. And we talked about this before a couple times. I have another one other thing that I just remembered, which is that I really... I mean, it's very sad, but I really enjoyed the scene that transitions um, from Kyoko and Toru to the Cassius funeral where it's just like a panel Mm -hmm. uh, there's just panels and no words Mm -hmm. it's very nice use of like a transition space yeah raw imagery Mm -hmm. yeah I I like when like visual mediums you know embrace their visualness (laughs) (laughs) we've had most of the recent chapters have been Mm -hmm. super dialogue heavy um Mm -hmm. which is fine like sometimes you just like need that for the story but there's yeah. not a lot of space for those kinds of things, and I I enjoyed these this run of four chapters because there is like a lot of them have there's a good amount of dialogue in the first two like three, but in this one there's some places where there's just space of things happening and imagery and it's very nice. Yeah, there's a lot of just like negative empty space and like the dark you know texture and bordering and stuff that we see all the time mm-hmm. that Takaya uses and and used yeah. used well I think. Yeah, yeah. In general, I like when um. A medium like embraces the things that only it can do yeah <laughs> and so it's nice to see this kind of like comic specific using comic broadly yes um comic specific kind of storytelling of that kind of use of visual visuals and paneling and yeah word bubbles or lack thereof yes i think jakaya does this well and we have an established visual language for all these things so i mean we know that that's kios Nar- uh, Kyo's narration versus like speech and all these other things like it's just mm-hmm. technically yeah. executed well yeah and enjoyably mm-hmm. so was the dream like we were talking about how it's this hard transition into a dream but like you know right away it's a dream not just because it's like suddenly Kyoko is there but I think also just the way that it's structured like it's the way that mm-hmm. it's sort of surreal like he's wearing these like like just completely different you know clothes and it's in this sudden white space mm-hmm. there's this like the the use of the like ink splatter kind of like creates this three-dimensional effect because it's clearly on top of what was drawn so it's almost mm-hmm. like it's floating in front of your kind of vision like as if you're experiencing it it's kind of interesting yeah. it's an interesting effect yeah and even just how like it's so pulled back like it's almost like it's like a camera way far away yeah. like if we're talking from like cinematic perspective mm-hmm. like, yeah it's just kind of Everything about it is just, like, off from yeah. what we're used to seeing. 
it's pulled back and then it but then it'll it gets closer and closer or it's like weird cut angles too like mm-hmm. there's a dialogue you just see like Kyo's so you see Kyo's mother but then you when she's talking you just see like her just her mouth like just her the edge of her hand pointing mm-hmm. um ju- there's close-ups on Kyoko's face her eyeless pupilless face which is terrifying um yeah and like I said, like just Toru's mouth. Like I didn't even notice that until we were talking about it just now, and I was like looking at it, like where her mouth starts to bleed. Mm-hmm. There, it's barely. I was like, "What is that?" Just like we, like texture. And it's her. You can tell it's her lips if you look closely. So they're nice. They're all nice slash awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> intentionally, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that. I appreciate it when Takaya does things like this. I mean, yeah. whole, the whole thing is great, but I, I love those mm-hmm. specific moments, so I was happy to see yeah. that again. Okay, now spoilers? Question mark? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> We've said every non-spoiler thing, or maybe spoiler things <laughs> that I cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, next time we're going to talk about chapters 94 and 95. It'll be a good time. Yeah, I think it should be a little lighter. <laughs> it will definitely be lighter. It's um, going to have a different focus, so it'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. I guess every time's a good time. I say that every time and I mean yeah. it. So <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you all for listening always. Um, okay. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Every time we record this, I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing now, but I never know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's a secret. The secret to being doing anything well in life is just to... Pretend like you're doing a good job, I guess. Mm-hmm. Take it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> I always had a conversation with my friend because we kept getting promoted into higher and higher jobs. And I was like, I think that the slogan should act, or like, I think the saying should just be keep, just keep faking it. Like, there's, yeah. you never, the, tr- the truth is that you never make it. Or at least like, <laughs> I feel like if you're trying to be good at something or you're trying to like grow your skills or whatever, then you're never going to make it because you'll always be trying for something better. Right. Anyway, mm-hmm. That's a side rant about my life, my inspirational speech. Yeah. <laughs> You should never stop learning. You should definitely never stop learning. You should do Duolingo like Kayla, and you too can yes. learn Japanese. <laughs> be lifelong learners. <laughs> Isn't that what they tried to told us they were trying to make us into in school? I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Is it working? <laughs> uh, seems like a yes. Mm, I think I'm still learning. I'm still learning <laughs> stuff. I mean, we learned how to make a podcast. That was pretty yeah. <laughs> good thing that we did. <laughs> Have done are doing. So <laughs> in the process, in the of... process of doing currently, literally currently. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> at this very second. Good. Let's talk about spoilers for Fruits Basket. Okay. Not just like life spoilers, I guess. Yeah. Life spoilers. <laughs> I have spoilers for life. You're never going to make it. <laughs> just keep faking it. Uh, okay. Spoilers. Here are the spoilers mm-hmm. that I have. This was a major spoiler for Toru's abandonment issues. <laughs> this, mm-hmm. this chapter, <laughs> specifically when Kyoko leaves, we briefly talked yeah. about it. I probably cut it. She, I mentioned to you, I think, when we were discussing that when when Kyoko come, returns, Toru says, she says, welcome home. She says, Okarina Sai, which is, I think, actually kind of formal. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think you would say that if you were a three-year-old. Yeah, I, mean, maybe. I think even, yeah. I think even in English, you can kind of tell it's, like, more formal than you would expect from a child her I would age. think so. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's the intention. Mm-hmm. what you reminded me was that um later I, th- I believe later in the story so there's a point where kyo asks about asks toru about her father mm-hmm. well Tor- well what happens is toru reveals this is the uh sheet situation um 
That's mm-hmm. the main thing that happens. It's the sheet hug. Toru reveals to him that she... I can't remember exactly how she describes it, but basically, like, her politeness was is an act that she developed. I mean, I don't know if it's an act. An act is a strong word. Mm-hmm. It's a mannerism that she developed as a child because she wanted to sound more like her father. Mm-hmm. And that she feels guilty about that, I think. Um, well, yeah, that there's some... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's said that, like, um, a combination of, like, how obviously distraught yeah. her mother was and her and Katsuya's family being assholes. absolute assholes and among other things implying that like Toru might not have actually been Katsuya's daughter because she didn't look like him Yeah, uh, made her like try to adopt his mannerisms which he remembered of him Yeah, to try and kind of like get that as like proof of that you know connection and also to get her mother's attention yeah basically and she also says that like she feels kind of guilty over kind of thinking her kind of resenting her father for like being the quote-unquote cause of that yeah when she was younger yeah and which is so sad after seeing this chapter and seeing just like how like close they were mm-hmm. when she was little like Katsi obviously adored her mm-hmm. and she was obviously happy spending time with her father <laughs> yeah so it's kind of sad that she like mostly remembers like, like all the sad stuff that happened afterward and resenting him yeah. for almost taking her mother away. Yeah. I mean, it's a legitimate resentment. Uh, yeah. I'm, you totally understand it. <laughs> yes. It's pretty sad when you see, like, just how, like, close they had been when she was little, little. A baby, baby, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. They could have had such an amazing life. It was just mm-hmm. ripped away. You see, like, we know this is coming. We spoiler people mm-hmm. know this is coming. <laughs> yeah. So then you see Toru just haunting Kyo, Kyoko around in these chapters, just in every mm-hmm. panel. She's literally in like almost every single panel, just standing there, watching her, standing over her. She peeks in the door when in during the funeral. She mm-hmm. wait and then she waits at the door at the end. And it's like yeah, and we see the image of the Katsuya's family like talking to her. Mm-hmm. There's some of their dialogue, but uh, that specific yeah. dialogue is not there yet. I think. Mm-hmm. I have a very strong yeah. uh, memory of that part where she they say that she doesn't look like her and Tor you see like a little baby Toru looking in a mirror like looking at herself yeah. like obviously being like mm-hmm. do I not look like him like yeah like it like, got like, to her. like a child's understanding of what that what they're saying to her yeah mm-hmm. and yeah it becomes like and I'm sure we cut it but it becomes like a part of that whole concept of like children may not understand everything you're saying to them but they understand if you're saying like mean things definitely and hurtful things to them or about them like they're not talking yeah. to her they're just saying <laughs> gossiping these things about her yeah and her mm-hmm. her mother and obviously yeah it's and that's like an ongoing thing we've seen we've seen it with kyo and haru and yuki yeah explicitly so far i've had that connection to the like kids know what you're saying mm-hmm. around them mm-hmm. yeah, even if they don't fully understand it yeah called out rune's parents for being like that mm-hmm and I think they even bring back that that saying, I think maybe in like a voiceover kind of thing, narration kind yeah. of flashback thing, when we have that flashback to baby yeah. Toru. I don't remember, but it's possible. Yeah, I feel like I remember, because I think Kyo is like thinking of it, like while that thing is going over, and I think he remembers like Kazuma saying that. Oh, that would make sense. Kazuma says something along those lines of like, like adults saying things without thinking children understand it does he sass kyo's dad about it at the funeral is that what you're referring to or something i can't remember exactly when he first said it but yeah i don't either but we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll revisit it surely <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah either way it's definitely a part of that uh, that concept there mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I think even without knowing these things, I think you could like look at this and interpret like, oh, that's going to cause Toru some problems. We've seen like um, mm-hmm. she has this like door. There's this like a specific like type of this like door imagery. <laughs> I don't know if it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a um, it's kind of a the a visual a motif maybe one might say mm-hmm. about her. Yeah, being we've left. seen it a few times. Yeah, there was one recently about with her when she had that nightmare. Yeah, when she was sick and she like, like remembering her mother and she like opens the door and there's just like the long empty hallway with the door yeah. at the end or whatever. Yes, <laughs> I was so sad. Mm-hmm. It made me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> this part I remembered. That one I didn't, which made it even sadder. Uh-huh. Yeah. We also we talked about it previously at that time uh, that like in the anime they use the door slamming like um, mm-hmm. that scene repeated scene when Kyo uh, and Yuki went for New Year's and then ran back. Yeah, and we've had the, um, just recently, like, when she was in the classroom waiting for Kyo, mm-hmm. when they were rehearsing for the play, he had the thought of, like, oh, she was sitting here alone waiting. Yeah. And we had the, like, you know, back, way back at the first New Year's thing. Yeah. The idea of her, like, sitting alone waiting. So, like, there's been a kind of a repeated theming of, like, Toru having some issues at being alone, being left alone. Yeah, for sure. The other spoiler that I wrote is about Kyo's about Kyo being at the accident, which we talked about, which we deemed that we could talk mm-hmm. about. So, yeah, this is not a spoiler. I'm trying to think of there's yeah. The, well, we can kind of the whole uh, like I won't forgive you thing from Kyoko. Right. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. specific. We could talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She. He thinks that she said that to him, but then of course at the very mm-hmm. very end, it's revealed that like if you don't live up to your promise, she said if you don't live up to your promise, or she tried to say if you don't live up to your yeah. promise, I won't forgive you. But I think she couldn't. Um, yeah. You know, as she, she was, was severely dying. injured. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason he feels guilt over it is because he, like, saw the car coming and wanted to... He wanted to pull her back. Like, stop her or push her out of the way or something, but was worried because he would transform yeah. in a big group of people and feels like it was his fault yeah, the, for not stopping her in some way. The guilt that he feels is that he chose himself over her. That's how he feels about mm-hmm. it, I think. I think it's later that Yuki is like, you can't be like Superman, like, what the hell? <laughs> In their big fight. Yeah. <laughs> Kyo's so earnest, of course he cares. It's really funny. Yeah. I think the relationship with Kyo's mother is interesting. Obviously, like, we talked about... You mentioned something that reminded me of something that I want to talk about in spoilers, which is that the nightmare has a connotation of suicide baiting, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, uh, like, Kyo's mother committed suicide, right? Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I, I guess what's implied is that he also feels responsible for that, and that's why it's tied mm-hmm. into the dream. I think her being like, you're better, it's safer inside or whatever, is just being like, you you can't hurt anyone else. Like, you can't hurt other mm-hmm. Toru or other people or whatever if you are, you know, locked away or you're dead or whatever, right? That's the yeah. kind of implication. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think that's what his... You know, nightmare brain, nightmare depression brain is telling him. <laughs> nightmare depression brain is a formidable foe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's obvious. It's also a spoiler for Toru's injury, for the landslide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think almost the same scene happens. I mean, she's not wearing her school uniform, but mm-hmm. I think he lifts up his hands and it's like the, almost the same position. They're all like bloody yeah. and whatever. Am I crazy? Is that true? I think that's true. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think he definitely, like, looks at his hands, and he's definitely, like, kneeling beside her, like, what the fuck do I do, yeah. kind of thing, because, like... I mean, a good question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a level of first aid that I can't comment on. Call an ambulance yeah. and wait. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch their neck. Yeah, it's like, Yugi tells her, tells him not, not to move her, but... 
Uh, yeah, and then he goes and, and kisses like, her like what? an asshole. I yeah. mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it deep in my heart, just like I love the Kyoko and Katsuya stuff. I know that it's wrong. It's mm-hmm. fine. But they're good. Yeah. They love each other. Okay? They yeah. do. It's just yeah. accept that it's genuine. In, in fictional context, it's very sweet and charming and obviously healthy and positive for both of them. <laughs> He holds their little baby and like walks her yeah. around. <laughs> stops her nosebleed. Yeah, stops her little baby nosebleed. <laughs> That's how you know he's a genuine caring father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, I have one that I wasn't sure whether to talk about in spoiler or non-spoiler. Okay, I'm ready. Um, I'm mentally prepared. I think the uh, the Kyoko and Katsuya stuff, like especially like after his death, is also kind of another example of our positive bonds becoming something negative if you let them if you let them have that hold on you Mm -hmm. for sure kind of idea which like we talked about we've had some examples in the main but i decided to wait for spoilers because i think one of the big examples that winds up being is um toru's uh attachment to kyoko yes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with you i'm down with talking (laughs) about in spoilers it'll come back it's fine we talk about it later Mm -hmm. yes i think you're right Mm -hmm. yeah like, the big obvious one is the uh, curse. Yes. Which we've started to touch on as it being a promise that went sour. Yes. Now. Um, but yeah, I think that, like there's an obvious connection drawn to the uh, Toru Kyoko relationship. Yeah. Also in that context. And yeah, this just made me think of that whole idea again. <laughs> yeah. I think we've talked about it because I feel like I've talked about it at least, um, maybe not so explicitly tying everything together, but being like, mm-hmm. and we can see here in this exhibit A that Toru is yeah. having problems about her mother, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we've at least talked about it like that, but tying yeah. all of them together, I think, won't come until a bit later. It's. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that, that Grandpa is like, yeah, sometimes when you meet people, things good things happen, sometimes bad things happen. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about how good things can become bad. What seems like a good thing can become a bad thing. We also, like, the other example we talked about before was probably, like, Uo. I think at the time Mm -hmm. we first talked about Uo, we didn't really have... That idea hadn't been necessarily formed yet, so we were like, yeah, "Yeah." and and then she's in the the gang, and it kind of goes... She doesn't like it anymore, and now when I look back, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's tied to all these other things as well. Yeah, I think at the time we were talking more about, like, the desire for belonging Mm -hmm. and seeking that wherever you could find it, but yeah, it is kind of the thing where, like, you know, at the time it gave her support system but you know not a very good one and then (laughs) when she tried to you know seek better things it obviously became a very sour thing Mm -hmm. and when she started to kind of drift away from it Mm -hmm. i talked the last time i think about how kyoko's story is similar to uo's in that way i -hmm. think we still see that kind of like desire for belonging like kyoko is like now i have no one now that katsu is dead um yeah and that was what was kind of like impacting her and what was caught that idea was I think what was the core of why she was depressed and why she was kind of like ignoring Toru um mm-hmm. she gets she gets sort of snapped out of it later when she sees the mother and the child outside and talking yeah but I think that that was the that was kind of like the crux of it it seemed like she felt like she was all mm-hmm. alone yeah she had I think she'd had no one for so long and then you know Katsuya became such a strong support for her that she felt like losing him was such a blow like she's like oh now i'm back to having no one even though it wasn't true yeah and she it seemed like she felt like that even up until 
not not exactly but i get this feeling from like her when she's talking about how when she tells him about how she's pregnant she kind of freaks out or like how, how can i be with another how can i raise another human being like how can i have a relationship with another human and it's like you have one like you you know you're mm-hmm. not like alone like it had this weird like vibe i don't know how exactly how to describe it which i don't think we talked about last time but it kind of felt like she still felt like she was i think kind of on her own she was also like oh we're gonna raise a mm-hmm. child together that was also one of the thoughts that she had and it's like yeah of course you yeah. would like you're not you're not on your own i mean like that's at least yeah it doesn't seem like a necessarily reasonable explanation when you're in like a solid relationship i guess um mm-hmm. yeah I could see, like, it's not explicitly stated, but I could see her being worried that that might drive him off. Yeah, for sure. Like, she being worried about, like, like any little, you know, change or quote-unquote burden Mm -hmm. might ruin what they have. Yeah, potentially. So, yeah, it kind Mm -hmm. of seems like even until, you know, Toru was, was born or, like, until he found out, until Katsuya found out that she was pregnant, it seemed like she was still Mm -hmm. kind of skeptical of him or kind of, like... Um, still felt kind of not necessarily unsupported, but like she mm-hmm. was. It was like her, and then Katsu was supporting yeah. her. It wasn't like they were like a family or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> with someone else in the mix, I think it's just like things, I guess. Yeah, and it's like, like even though they had a strong relationship, she just spent had gone so long without having any kind of strong relationship that mm-hmm. she's like, what if it's not? What if it's really this fragile? What if any yeah, little thing yeah. will break it? But like. You know whether it was a sensible worry or not, which it obviously wasn't. But <laughs> well, worries are know, never sensible, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she obviously oh, she also has really uh, issues with her parents. I mean, like it's obvious that she would yeah. be like, "What am I gonna do now?" Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, she didn't have any other support system other than him. So if something happened, then whatever, and mm-hmm. that's what happens later. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it's reasonable. I just thought it was kind of something that it was a feeling that I felt like I couldn't really place. Um, mm-hmm. and then we kind of see it, we, we see that later after the funeral, like after Katsuya dies, that that was a, a worry that she had, I think. It felt like he was the only person who kind of accepted her and see, still felt like she was on her own, I think even sort of when Toru was little and then didn't realize until after Katsuya died that she also had Toru as someone mm-hmm. that she could connect with. Yeah. Slash was responsible for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Which we saw. Because she talked about, like, the whole, like, seeking out, like, people to need and be needed by. And mm-hmm. she, like, had kind of temporarily not, at least kind of forgotten that, like, she was needed by Toru. Like, Yeah, exactly. We're going to see more Kyo and Kyoko flashbacks in the future. That'll yeah. Flesh out some of the stuff we've seen here, but. Oh, I think this is the last time that we're going to see Katsuya. The only time he sort of makes an appearance. Well, like, there's, like, at the end where we see what happened when Kyoko was dying. I guess they kind of, like, reunite mm-hmm. in the afterlife. And then, um, I mean, Toru shows Kyo a picture of him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he's ever in, really involved in the story ever again. Yeah. Bye to Katsuya, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hardly knew you. Yeah. Basically, sadly. <laughs> perhaps the saddest dad of all (laughs) (laughs) uh next time we're gonna be talking about student council are you excited so excited (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a machi chapter and then uh new year's stuff yeah i'm excited about it yeah i like this new year's chapter there's a lot of me too good character stuff Mm -hmm. all right great before (laughs) this recording cuts again um (laughs) 
Yes, next time we're going to talk about chapters 94 and 95. So we'll uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>